Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. All right, so today we are going to be talking about consent with horses and whether or not they can consent and just some other topics that are kind of related to this. So yeah, I think this will be kind of an interesting one because there's definitely a lot of disagreement about it. Yeah, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Um, I guess just with unpacking what that means, because I feel like a lot of the debate about it is because people have a misunderstanding of what fear-free trainers are trying to say when they use consent. Yeah, that is a really good point. I feel like one of the biggest things with a lot of these type of concepts in like animal behavior and stuff like that is that they really need to be operationalized. And I love that um, Dr. Susan Friedman really does a good job of pointing out like that if we can actually like agree on a definition of a lot of these terms, we could probably have a lot more agreement within like, you know, the industry and like between trainers and owners and things like that. So Yeah, I think definitely with consent, we want to be really clear about what it is we mean by consent, because like we will be the first people to say, I think that animals um, like horses in particular don't really have the same uh, brain capacity that humans do. They don't have as developed of a frontal lobe. They most likely can't reason through kind of like choices and decisions the same way that humans can. So if people hear the word consent and they think that consent has to mean like, you know, exactly the way that humans consent, then that might cause them to say like, no, animals or at least some animals can't consent. But I think that most people are just kind of trying to operationalize consent as like willingly participating and basically communicating that they are okay with something happening. And I think we can all agree that animals can show that they have an aversion to something or they find something pleasant or whatever. Like we can agree that animals do have preferences and they do have emotions and things like that. So um, they definitely can, you know, prefer one thing over another. Anybody who's interacted with animals can kind of have seen that probably. So I think, you know, if we operationalize it like that, that's honestly how I would choose to do it. But I'm curious to know if that's how you would operationalize it as well, or if you kind of have a different perspective. Yeah, I feel like my opinion's pretty much exactly the same. So that's a pretty boring conversation, but it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, they obviously can't verbally tell us that they are comfortable with something or that they prefer something. So that's where it's kind of our job to learn their body language and understand the individual because there are some differences between each horse. But yeah, I feel like if you are paying attention to what they're trying to communicate, there is clear opting in and opting out. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And yeah, I mean, I feel like one of these days we really need to find a topic we disagree on <laughs> just to have like an, a more like, I don't know, debate type of conversation. But um, <laughs> like, I think that that makes complete sense. And I think that, yeah, they can definitely opt in and out. Um, and I think, like you said, a lot of that comes to reading their their behavior and their body language and facial expressions. And I think that you know, a lot of people don't have the knowledge to be able to understand what the animal is communicating. And then that can be kind of a roadblock or a barrier to being able to 
you know, give that animal the choice to consent or not. So I think that's another reason why it's so important to keep educating people and sharing information about how to read horse body language and facial expressions and things like that. Yeah, I agree. And I do feel like most of the pushback on the consent debate does come from traditional trainers in both the dog and horse worlds. But I don't know, I feel like cooperative care is so underrated and we should be doing it more because there's no reason for animals to have to be stressed for like a hoof trim. That happens so often. We should be setting them up for success or even just vaccinations. We can do things to better prepare them and it's just not happening in most cases. And I feel like a lot of it does come from the idea that horses can't consent at all or give any sort of indicator that they're comfortable or not. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. I was having a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who works at an animal sanctuary for like farm animals and livestock. And she um, was talking about how the llamas and alpacas that they have there have to be sheared in the summer or I don't know, in certain times. I'm not very knowledgeable on llamas and alpacas, but like for their health, they have to be sheared and they find that really stressful and really aversive. And she was basically saying, wow, I really wish that I could just communicate to them that this is for their health and that they really have to do this. And I think that that's a common feeling that a lot of people have is like, oh, I just wish I could just tell my animal that this is for their own good, like, you know, a medical procedure or something like that. And it's really frustrating that we can't do that. Um, But on the other hand, like you said, with cooperative care, we are getting a lot of kind of ways of showing the animal that they can have a choice and that they can sort of start to understand that like, hey, this isn't so bad, we can get some tasty snacks, and we can just, you know, have control over the situation, and it can go a lot better. So yeah, I think that that's kind of like a really common sentiment of like, oh, I just wish I could just tell them. And I think cooperative care is really promising to be able to uh, get as close as we can to being able to communicate that even though obviously we're not really exactly communicating that but we can do, you know, the procedure in a way that allows them to have choice and allows them to not feel like they're being forced to do something that's extremely aversive. Yeah, I definitely didn't mean to make this conversation be about cooperative care, but it does go with consent. So that's fine. (laughs) It's always like, I never know what I'm going to be talking about when we do this. (laughs) Yeah, that's really fair. I did write some notes about cooperative care. And I think it's really related because I mean, like, it's a big part of like, consent is cooperative care or yeah I guess a big part of cooperative care is consent more is more accurate but I mean I think that it's just I don't know it's just super important and I think it's one of the hardest areas to really practice consent because it is something that's really necessary to have done and so like yes that can justify violating the consent if you know you have to get something done Like, for example, with Rupert right now, he's having his eye problem. He has conjunctivitis in his right eye. So I've had to give him ointment in his eye. And he does all right with it. It's not like, you know, terribly aversive to him, but he also is not a fan. So I kind of have to like, you know, get him like grab his collar and just put the eye ointment on really quick. And then he's like, oh, that wasn't so great. So I mean, that's an example of where I'm like violating his consent because he would not want the eye ointment if he had a choice. But unfortunately, that is just the situation is that he needs to have the eye ointment for his health. So I think like 
you know, it can be justifiable to violate the consent, but we can prepare for those situations ahead of time with cooperative care. So like if I had prepared in advance for like Rupert to get ointment in his eye, like starting with like, you know, eye targeting and things like that, that would have really been beneficial for him. So um, like while it is justifiable to violate the consent in a medical situation, we can also do what we can to limit needing to do that by preparing ahead of time. So I think that's like a really important aspect of it as well. Yeah, I've definitely been in that same boat, unfortunately, because I have hounds, so they get ear infections, and I never really prepared them for that. So, yeah, I feel like the idea of setting them up prior to something happening is always something you should be doing, but it can be hard to do that because I feel like cooperative care just isn't most people's priority, and it really should be prioritized more. Plus, it is fun. Like, it's still training. You're still spending time with your horse and teaching them new skills. And these skills are useful. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it's even more overlooked with horses than dogs. I mean, it's definitely very overlooked with dogs as well. But with dogs, at least people do see them more as like a, a usually a family member type of pet, not always, but I think more often than horses. And horses are sort of just like, oh, they just kind of live out there. You got to deworm them and just, you know, pull their head down and stick it in their mouth and you're all done like stuff like that so I feel like it's with horses there's just definitely like a culture of like oh they're here for this particular purpose of being ridden and doing a job and so that's the training that I do with them I'm not going to focus on you know more of the sort of like husbandry type behaviors and cooperative care and stuff like that and I think that's you know that's definitely a shame because it is really fun like you said and it's really satisfying to teach something and be like, wow, I actually taught that. And we were able to do something that previously we couldn't do without force. Now we're able to do that actually cooperatively, which is really cool. Like with, uh, I know people have done it with injections, with deworming, with um, like foot soaking for like foot, like hook problems, stuff like that. Like if you just are kind of starting from a situation of like the animal really doesn't want to do this and is really like kind of fighting against it to you know, working on it with positive reinforcement and giving them a choice. And then you get to that point where they can do it. It's just really kind of a powerful thing. And I think more people should experience that because it's like cool for us. And obviously it's super beneficial for the animal's welfare. Yeah, for sure. There's a horse at work who, when he came, he was really sensitive about his ears. I talked a little bit about it on my Instagram, but the owners couldn't figure out why that started happening like it wasn't a problem and then suddenly it was so I feel like in that case it was probably something with vet work like ear twitching or something but it's been really cool working with him because when he first came to my work it was really hard to even put a halter on him just like that quick slipping the halter over the ears was really hard for him but now he's actually ear targeting and opting into ear targeting and it's just really cool to see that it's really reinforcing for the teacher but also it's nice to know that they're actually starting to feel comfortable with something that was once really aversive oh that's awesome I'm glad that he's doing so well with it that's really cool yeah it's just hard to work through those type of things but it sounds like you're doing a great job with it so that's good I feel like um something that's kind of related to consent and cooperative care that we should talk about is start buttons because I think that um probably most people who use positive reinforcement at all or allow their horse to have any type of choice probably use start buttons to some extent even if they aren't aware that they're doing it so I feel like it's 
kind of an important topic to talk about so people can kind of understand it and try to implement them like more intentionally. Yeah, for sure. So with that horse, his start button technically would be him giving me his ear because then I'm adding duration or like putting a finger close to the inside of his ear and that's kind of his way of consenting to that. And then with my dogs, with Truffle specifically, because he had the ear infection that was bad and needed ointment. With him, I taught him to either chin rest or stand between my legs so I can look into his ears. So, I mean, really anything can be a start button. It could be touching a cone or touching your hand. And like you said, there's things you're probably doing that you don't even realize are start buttons. So it's definitely in people's training without them noticing. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree. I think, yeah, those are great examples. I think the chin rest one is really common with dogs. Um, I mean, even like if you go out to the pasture to get your horse and you wait for the horse to walk up to you, that even could be a start button if the horse knows like, oh, if I choose to walk up, then we're going to train. And if I don't, then we're not going to train. Then I mean, that in itself is like a start button for the training process. So yeah, I feel like it's just really common and it can be a part of cooperative care or it can just be related to training or anything like that. So yeah, I think just having some way for the animal to be able to communicate to you like, yes, I'm ready to do whatever it is that's, you know, what's going on is really important. And I think with that also having like routine with your animals so that they can predict what's coming is really important for them to be able to consent and be able to use start buttons. Obviously, like things will happen that we our animals can't know about ahead of time. But um, the more we can be predictable and have a routine, I think that's really good for them. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every other Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training. <laughs>